Woohoo! Good morning, everybody. Oh, are you all excited about what God's doing? As I spent this last week, and I and I suffered for y'all um, in Cancun this last week. It was suffering. It rained Friday, um, but still 77. They were having a cold front come in. It was 70. Um, I'm like, I'm going home to 30 below, so it's all good. I got a chance, and, and why I'm excited about it, I'm going to share more next week about it, kind of how God expanded my vision a little bit. I got to sit down with 258 other ministers and pastors from around the United States and just dream, pick their brains, um, talk to them, and, and see what God's been doing in their churches and what God's doing in their lives. And, and so it was awesome. 35 states were represented there. Now, the really cool thing and why I love Minnesota, and Christy came back saying, we got the best district in, in the United States. We probably had almost 50 people of that group was from Minnesota. And it, it's, it's a bunch of pastors who are just seeking, okay, God, what do you got for us? Yes, we go to Cancun. Yes, it's with a group called Priority One. Um, and they've been building Bible schools for about, well, Sam and Joyce Johnson, who had, who had up Priority One, have been doing it since like 1960. The name Priority One started 20 years ago. This was their 20th year celebration. And they are, and I'll bring a map in next week of all the different places that they're working and, and what's going on with that. And so that's why I'm kind of excited today. So I was gone all week, came back. Um, again, just how the enemy tries to mess with you. Okay, so we're getting ready to leave and we go, okay, we got to be at the airport three hours early, right? So we leave our airport four and a half hours before we're supposed to be there. It took us an hour and 45 minutes to get to the airport that was only 2.8 miles away. Oh, yeah, traffic was horrible, construction going on. I'm like, is this Minnesota construction or is it someplace else construction? You know, because Minnesota, I understand, it, it'll take some time. But it was Minnesota construction, so it took an hour and 45 minutes to get there. We get there, and then there's a long line to go through customs and everything else. And as we finally make it through customs in, in the airport, we walk in, and our flight's now delayed an hour and a half. I'm like, okay, sweet, let's walk around, let's get something to eat, pay way too much for food at the airport. Um, and, and we sit there, and we're sitting by our gate, and all of a sudden, they change our gate. I'm like, okay. So we go to and run across the airport to the next gate. We were at C-16. The next gate was over at C-9, which is halfway across the airport. We get there, no joke, within five minutes, the gate changed again to C-17. So we ran all the way back across the airport, got there, and now we had another hour wait. And I'm just looking at Christy, I'm like, we had to know the enemy was going to start messing with us. We had an amazing weekend just dreaming and, and relaxing and resting and, and getting time that we could just spend time together, not really think about anything. And so then they say, okay, it's time to start boarding the plane. They walk us down the escalator outside to a bus. So now we're all piling on a bus, and we get on the bus, and everybody's like, hey, what are we going to do? I'm like, they're going to drive us to Dallas-Fort Worth. It'll be okay. And they all start freaking out. I'm like, nah, I'm joking. I have no idea why we're on this bus. Um, so they drive us on the bus. They turn us around. They drive us about a half mile. We load the plane on the tarmac. This is the second time in my life since I was in the military I haven't gotten on a plane on the tarmac. So they put the steps on. We go up. And then we have to wait a little longer on the airplane now. And I was telling Sean at the beginning, or this morning that, you know how they get on there and they always try to apologize? You know, we're going to be leaving in two minutes. I'm sorry for the delays. But he's like, no, you ain't. You ain't sorry for this. You are reading the script. And you keep saying two minutes, and that was 20 minutes ago. Okay? And so we, get, we, get, we finally get out of there, and then we get to Minneapolis, and we land, and our gate's not open. 
So now we have to sit on the plane. And I looked at Chris and I'm like, this, seriously, you have to laugh at this. I'm like, it's not like I got anything going on tomorrow morning, hockey day, Minnesota at eight in the morning that I got to get ready for. <laughs> and so we sit and then he goes, no, we're going to taxi to another gate and they're ready for us. We taxi to another gate, they ain't ready for us. We sat there another 15 minutes, finally got to our gate, and then had to go through customs again. And thankfully in Minneapolis, it was a little bit better. But it, we ended up getting home a little after midnight last night, or Saturday night. And so, and I'm just joking the whole way, because I'm like, I, you knew this was going to happen. Things were going too well. We were too focused on what God had us going for. The enemy is going to try to distract you. And so when you all made your decision to follow Jesus, when you all decide you're going to change something, as Sean was talking about this morning, about raising your hands, about just hearing from God, when you start to do that, guess what? The enemy is going to do whatever he can to try to distract you. Now, see, years ago, I would have gotten frustrated, upset, and yelled at somebody. But because God's been working on me, because God's helped me mature over time, because I know these tricks are coming, dude, the devil ain't got nothing new. He's doing the same thing today he did in the garden. He's going to take truth and twist it just enough so you believe it. It's what he does. And so as I was studying last night and studying today and studying this morning, saying, okay, God, what do you want me to share this morning? What do you want your people to hear? And, and I got nothing. <laughs> and, and it's not because I haven't been praying. It's not because I haven't been studying. It's not because I haven't been spending time with God. I believe God was just saying, you know, just let me speak to my people, and I'll use you. And so, see, the thing is, is y'all worry when you go talk to your friends, when you go out to your jobs, when you go out to your schools. Y'all try to figure out every possible answer to every question someone might ask you. And as we all know, if we overanalyze, we analyze to paralyze, which means we end up doing nothing because we can't figure out all the answers. But Scripture is very clear about it. Scripture says, and Jesus tells us, that the Holy Spirit will give us the words we need when we need them. But see, the key to that is we have to be speaking. We can't ignore things. We can't put it off. We can't expect, you know, there, there, is, a, there is our part to this. You know, we want to pray, yes. I pray that God, this is God's church. He does what he wants with it. But guess what? He's given us all a part in that church. And so we pray like it, de it depends on God, and we work like it depends on us. And when we don't, and we have to do that with our faith as well. Because if, when we don't do it with our faith, our faith grows stagnant. See, you got two options with your faith. It's going to be growing or it's decreasing. It doesn't stay the same. Just like if I want to go to the gym and get in shape, I'm either going to lift to stretch my muscles and stress my muscles and help them grow, or I'm not, and they're not going to grow and they're not, because they're not going to stay the same. See, your faith has to be challenged. You can't show up for 45 minutes, an hour on Sunday morning, and expect your faith to grow. Our Sunday mornings are really about, as we were talking about, Jesus comes in the midst of us, but it's about coming in and equipping each other. It's about empowering each other. It's about encouraging each other. It's about lifting up the name of Jesus and ministering back to him so we can get filled up and spill it all over everybody. And then we come back next Sunday all dried up because we gave it all away. 
and we get filled up again by beginning encouraged again by each other by getting so the community of church is so that's why the community we see in the new testament was so important to them and when they ran into the problems what did they do did they shirk did they shrink did they shrink back from it no they, they prayed for more boldness they said god give us give us more boldness they said what no god give us the words we need and again, it's taking captive every thought that the enemy wants to do it to be obedient to Christ. It's not about me shoving it down people's face in their face. It's about me letting God work through me. Then my faith can grow. See, when, when we understand that we're not here this morning by accident, that where you live right now isn't by accident, where you're at in your life isn't an accident. It's a culmination, a lot of times, of our choices that we've made. And when we understand that our choices can truly direct the trajectory of our life, we now start to change our choices to line up with what God says. In Psalm 37, 23, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. It says, He delights in every detail of their lives. How many of y'all believe that this morning? that the Lord delights in every detail of your life. Those things you think aren't important, God cares about. Those little things that you think aren't a big deal, God wants to help you with. That's what a father does. We, a father comes alongside his children. See, it, it says in, in Ephesians that God has prepared good works for you in advance. He doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He's got more for you. Like I said, I, I, I dream big. And when I read that verse and I say, God's got more than I can dream, like I said, I've got four phases built out in our building. I've got us reaching around the world. I've got us stepping into missions and seeing lives changed in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the earth. I see our church, as I talked about last week, of being that river that's just a small little creek when it starts. But by the time we get out and we start becoming God's church, it is changing everything around us. It is bringing life to everywhere we go. It is the fresh water, the Holy Spirit, and the fresh water of Jesus pouring through us that is, like I said, jokingly spilling out on everyone around us, but it's bringing life to everything we touch, everything we come in contact with. Now, we're going to have problems. Things are going to happen. Y'all heard me talk about it before, and it's still one of my favorite verses in the gene version of the Bible. You're going to have problems. Get over it, you big baby. Because Jesus said, I've overcome this world, and I believe that part. And so when I'm talking to myself and I say, okay, stop whining, you baby, Jesus is overcoming. And I'm like, okay, that means I'm an overcomer because Jesus lives in me. See, when we start running into problems, we say, yeah, I'm more than victorious. Because of Christ. And now my choices, I'll still make mistakes. I still do things wrong. I still go through that. But God's grace says, I got you covered, son. The blood of Jesus, I'm seeing you through him, not through your mistakes. Remember, we talked about it last week, that, that our life is hidden in Christ with God. And so when God looks at me, he looks at me through the sacrifice of his son that washed me white as snow. And he sees his perfect son and daughter when he looks at you. He no longer sees your mistakes. And when we jump in this morning, and I, and I started looking at, at some stuff I had written down and some stuff I had looked at, you know, I, I started reading through John 4 a little bit. And 
I read the story this morning, and I'm going to read the story to you in John 4. And it says, at the end of two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had, had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? I want to stop there just for a second because, again, we have to understand, does God want to heal? Does God want to do the miraculous? Yes, I truly believe he does. Does God want to raise the dead? Yes. Jesus ruined every funeral he ever went to. Nobody stayed dead around him. Okay? You can read any story. Serious. Lazarus in the grave. Lazarus come out. Young boy laying there. Wife said, nope, you're, you're, nope, you're not dead. Go ahead. Get up, son. And son got up. See, Jesus just ruins everything when it comes to death. He just brings it to life, brings life to it. And, but see, the thing is, is what was happening here and what happens a lot of times in churches that focus on signs and wonders is y'all looking for a show, you're not looking for Jesus. Signs never are the destination we are headed. The destination is the throne room of God. Now, miracles will happen along the way, but they are pointing you to Jesus. And what was happening here, why Jesus couldn't be accepted in his own hometown, and why different things like that happened is they... they they were looking at things from a human perspective. They were looking at the show he was putting on. They weren't looking at who he was, the Messiah. So this morning, we come in here understanding that, you know, you may see a miraculous life, and every one of you, by the way, is a miracle. The fact you are here today is a miracle. The fact I am standing up here today, I'm a miracle. Okay? So believe, when I, when I tell you guys, you got to believe that you are miracles. If we believe what Jesus says, he said, you're a miracle. And so we start living out of that miracle. And so the official runs up to Jesus and said, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus just nonchalantly, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of this in my mind when I'm reading it. And again, I giggle when I read scripture. Because this dude walks up and says, my son's going to die, Jesus. you got to come now. And he's like, no worries, dude, your son's going to live. Did the guy argue with him? Let's read on and find out. And the man believed what Jesus said and went home. See, the, the reason sometimes we don't see things happen is we question, does God really want to do it? But if Jesus said it, it's done. See, the man just believed it. He said, no, nah, your son's going to live. He believed him. He said, while the man was on his way, Home, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked that when the boy had got, begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon about one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And his entire household believed in Jesus. See, too often we spend too much time praying for the saved and not the unsaved. Jesus did miracles to bring people to home, bring people into the kingdom. He didn't do miracles to save the people who were already following him. Because they were already saved. They were already going to heaven. We all going to heaven. We got to start praying for unsaved people. I've talked to friends of mine who have seen miracles happen. 
and they go into restaurants and they'll pray for somebody, and that very story will come to life before their eyes. It was somebody who didn't believe in Jesus. They're like, hey, can I pray for you today? They're like, yeah, go ahead. All of a sudden, Jesus does a miracle. And all of a sudden, guess what? That person is now a son and daughter of the king because somebody who believed, believed God was who he says he was and said, I'm just going to pray for this person who says they don't believe in you. See, the people got to see Jesus in us. We want to see lives changed. We want to see communities changed. We got to press into God, let God change us, and then just be the hands and feet of Jesus. I told you last week I was going to start a series on the upside-down teachings of Jesus, but I'm starting that next week. Because as I was sitting there this last week and listening to these, to these missionaries, listening to these people who are going around the world changing lives, something came to my realization in the upside-down teaching of Jesus that I knew, but it never really hit my heart before. And I had to write it down in my notebook. And basically it came down to the fact that if we want our building to go debt-free, if we want to build our building out on the land, we've got to invest in people who don't have buildings. The upside-down teaching of Jesus says, give and you'll receive. And so guess what we're going to be doing? I've got some exciting news about something we're going to partner with some other churches to do. I'm going to share that next week, so come back next week for that. See, sometimes, and this is what happened to me this week, is we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to where it was all started, on our knees at the cross in front of Jesus, and get a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. See, the, the blessing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit we receive doesn't go away, but we see throughout Scripture where you can be filled even more than you are today. And that's where I want to get back to, so that's why I went back to the beginning. I said, okay, God, here I am. What do you got? I've restarted some prayer time that that is my prayer. God, I got nothing for you. I've got no request today for you. I'm going to sit here. What do you got for me? Sit there with my pen and a notebook and listen to what God talks to me about. See, yes, God loves hearing the needs of his children. But prayer is a two-way street. It's communication. If you're married, if all you ever did was one of you talked all the time, what happens? You guys don't like listening to me for a half an hour. Let's, let's just be honest. If all, that, if all your day was was listening to me speak, are we communicating? If the only time we ever got together was me speaking or you speaking to me, are we creating a relationship? See, in order to define and, and establish and grow that relationship with God, we got to hear from him as well. So sometimes we got to sit and be quiet. He says, be still and know that I am God. But he also says, go get to work. See, when we go back, as Jesus did in this story, he went back to where his first miracle started, turning water to wine. You have to decide this morning, what do you need to believe God for again? Some of y'all have given up on a prayer that you started praying and believed God was going to heal, and it hasn't happened yet, and so you've given up on it. I'm challenging you this morning to go back to it and hear from God again. The second thing we see in this story 
was sometimes we got to get desperate to see God move. This, son, this, this father, his son was dying. And as a parent, you know what you would do if your kids are sick. You are desperate to see something happen. See, how desperate are you to see God change you? Or does it just sound like a good deal? How desperate are you to see God change your family? Has it dropped you to your knees? Has it broken you like it did with Nehemiah, seeing the walls crumbled around Israel, where you just weep over broken people? That was something that got birthed in me again this last week, was how we have it really easy, and there are a lot of people who don't. There are a lot of countries who've got less than we do, but they are seeing God move because they're desperate. They got nothing else but God. We got to get back to being desperate to see God move. And I, it doesn't matter where it's at. We just got to trust that God's going to do what he said he did. he's going to do. See, Jesus understood that he didn't, you know, he understood that he had to keep moving, that he had to keep reaching people. You think, and it's something I read last night that jumped out, and, and I'm going to talk about it later on this year. But everything Jesus did, and Jesus, why did he say he came? Y'all, to seek and save the lost, is that what your life is about? Because when we read those parables, remember the lost coin and the lost, um, or the, son, the prodigal son and the lost sheep, as we even sang about it this morning, Jesus was all about what was lost. And if we say we're Christians and we say we're following Christ, our lives should mimic that and mirror that, that our lives are about those who are lost. They're not about my comfort. They're not about what makes my life easier, but how can I help somebody else? And see, when the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee, he went to him and he got desperate in, he got desperate in front of him saying, hey, come and, and, and save my son, he's about to die. But see, sometimes what we got to understand is that our faith is going to be measured in miles and not minutes. How, how long are you willing to pray for that, that loved one that doesn't know Jesus? How long are you willing to pray for that healing that you need? See, sometimes it's going to take months, years, you just don't know. You all know my story, it took 33 years, but I had an uncle who prayed for me for 33 years. That's why I'm here this morning. I truly believe it, because that was God's plan. You all are here this morning because you had somebody who didn't give up on you and somebody who prayed for you. You may not think it, and you may not know them, but there was somebody. Who's somebody can you be for someone? Don't worry about the outcome. That's God's job. Do your part and just pray for them. God takes care of the mess, but God's given you the message. And so we pray for them. See, as our faith gets measured in miles, and we understand it takes efforts, and that miracles happen not because they, God's just going to show up and do it, but because he's got, a, he's got a people who are seeking his face. And when we don't see it happening, and we don't see it happening right away, and we don't know what's going on, we're going to hang on to the promises of God at that point. Because God says, I wish that none would perish. I wish that all would come to repentance. He said, Jesus, when, when it says Jesus died for, for God so loved the world, 
He sent His only Son for what? For everyone. Not just for me. Not just for you. But for everyone. God loves everyone. God is seeking and saving the lost. Since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve, when He's walking through the garden after Eve ate the apple and gave it to Adam and he ate the apple, and it wasn't an apple, so we're not going to do a theological debate about that. I'm just using it. Um, he's walking through the garden. He's like, Adam, where are you? <laughs> Again, I look at this and I'm like, okay, this is the creator of the universe. He knows everything. Adam and Eve thinking they hiding. He's like, Adam. And I know he's like, you know, I had a Rottweiler and he tried to hide in like this much grass. And you could see his head. The dude was 140 pounds. And so he wasn't hiding in this much grass. But, and I know you all have seen this happen if you've got a dog. They got that look like if he don't look at me, if I don't look at him, he won't see me. So they look away. And I'm thinking that's what Adam and Eve were doing in the Garden of Eden because God knew right where they were. I'm thinking, well, okay, just don't look at him. Don't, don't make eye contact. He won't see we're here. Adam, where are you? And I, and, and I know God is giggling. Okay, at least, at least my God laughs. I don't know about your God. My God laughs. He has fun. I'm sorry, but if you were hanging out with Jesus for three and a half years and he didn't have some fun, it might have been a little boring to hang out. Miracles he were doing, like I said, with this one, nah, dude, your son's going to live. Go ahead. You know the people hanging out with him are like, seriously? That just happened? That's cool. See, when you guys came in this morning, that's how I felt. Seriously, God, this is what you're doing? This is cool. He's still the same God. He's never changed. He never will. Get to the last book. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's not going to change. So what we need to do in the story that we just read was the guy wasn't seeking a miracle. He was seeking Jesus, and he gave him a miracle. See, when we seek Jesus above all else, he says, seek my kingdom first, and everything else will be added to you. So if you need to see something happen in your life, seek Jesus and go help someone else. Because that's how God works. Have you get, as you give, you can receive. And so when we're giving out of our time, when we're giving out of our finances, when we're giving out of a word to somebody, God is saying, I'm with you. And when you give it away, it says it's going to come back to you, pressed down, shaken. Better than you could ever imagine is what God's word says.